The Trumpet Daily program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of world peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily program begins right now. And now, in order to make our country successful and safe and glorious, I will very, very, very probably do it again, okay? Very, very, very probably. Very, very, very probably. That's nice. Well, get ready. That's all I'm telling you. Very soon. Get ready. It's a little bit of a different tone coming from uh, Donald Trump when you contrast it with some of the others we've been playing this week. Barack Obama, Joe Biden going on and on about how evil Republicans are. That's uh, Donald Trump in Sioux City, uh, Iowa last night. Uh, saying that he's very, very, very probably going to run for re-election. There's reports this morning coming out that uh, he's going to make an announcement after the midterms, I think November the 14th. So we will see in the coming weeks. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining our growing audience. You can get to the live video stream of this show through our website, thetrumpet.com. Just go to thetrumpet.com forward slash live. And you can see the program live every day or watch it on demand, whatever you choose to do. But we certainly appreciate you joining us for today's program. Hard to believe it's already Friday, five days of programming. It goes by so fast. Each program goes by fast, but the week certainly goes by fast as well. So as you've been, uh, as, as we've been noting this week, I mean, the two sides one headed up by the Antiochus movement, the other headed up by the Jeroboam, Jeroboam movement. They're clear, it's clear. It, this report, by the way, coming out from the DOJ yesterday in response to what will surely be announced in the next couple of weeks, Donald Trump running for election again. This is from Just the News. It says, Department of Justice officials have reportedly discuss the possibility of appointing a special counsel to oversee the investigations related to former President Donald Trump should he opt to run again for the nation's top job in 2024. So the DOJ is making plans, even now, to conduct another special counsel investigation should Donald Trump run for office. So it's, all, it's based on politics alone. That's, that's the Department of Injustice here in the United States. It says here, though they were, are waiting for the midterm elections to pass before making major public moves, the DOJ is reportedly bringing, an additional experienced, bringing on additional experienced prosecutors and preparing for a potential slew of indictments against major figures in Trump world. This is according to CNN and, of course, their sources those that are familiar with these matters inside the, uh, the DOJ. 
So as I say, Jeroboam versus Antiochus. This is another, speaking of CNN, this is uh, from CNN as well. It says, midterm elections are almost always about incumbent presidents, especially when they are unpopular. But in a unique twist this year, two ex-presidents who lost control of the House while in office have turned into their party's closing messengers. And who would those two be? It says Barack Obama and Donald Trump personify two rival visions of the meaning of America itself. That's quite a statement from CNN. I mean, considering what you've heard at the trumpet.com or on this program, my father's program, what you've read in America Under Attack, our other book, Great Again, what we've been saying on this subject since 2013. I'll read it again. Barack Obama and Donald Trump personify two rival visions of the meaning of America itself. One is a a patriot. One wants to make America great again. Another wants to fundamentally transform the United States of America. It says here, Obama remains an avatar of progressive change and an increasingly in an increasingly diverse nation who is far more popular than current Democratic President Joe Biden. It's just another way of saying he's the real president. He's the leader of the Democrat Party. He's the leader of this radical movement. He's the leader of the communist insurrection. It says here he's the most sought-after political fireman for Democrats struggling to survive tight swing state races and is being used to energize young minority and suburban middle-class voters. So they send out Obama to go after the young people. This is uh, from TikTok, clip 14. Monday night, and here's what's happened. B, what are you you doing under my desk? Well, under the desk is kind of my thing. I mean... But here's the thing. You can stay for now, but when it comes time to voting, you're going to have to get up because you've got climate change legislation on the ballot, you've got gun safety, and if we can elect more pro-choice members of Congress, we can reinstitute Roe versus Wade as the law of the land. So you can't stay here. You're going to have to take a little bit of time to vote. It's now a bad time to say that I voted for McCain in 2008. Eh, as long as you voted. <laughs> so he's so in touch with the youth of uh, today. PJ Media put it this way in response to that. Obama's awful, bad, horrible, painfully unfunny TikTok video. How does he even know who this kid is? Uh, I mean, of, of all of the, the, the meaningless and trivial uh, news stories that we see coming across our Twitter feed, it's a good thing we're not on TikTok. Obama and his people, they know about this kid under the table news or something. And he's there. But it is interesting. It's revealing, isn't it? As he ticks off the items that are really important coming into the midterms, that would be Roe v. Wade, right? You've got to, and climate change, of course. Everybody's concerned about climate change. Everybody's concerned about Roe v. Wade. And then what was, uh, what was the, the third? Oh, gun safety. So gun control, climate change. And then added to that, like you heard yesterday, of course, the overarching theme is that Republicans are evil. They're murderers. They're killers. They're destroying democracy. So that's their, that's their final appeal to America. Donald Trump, on the other hand, he's out there. He's saying, look, we've got to we've got to win. We've got to win back control. 
and, and rebuild our country. This is, again, Donald Trump from last night, clip 13. We're just five days away from the most important midterm election in American history, and we need a landslide so big that the radical left cannot rig it or steal it, the bigger it is. Far better than voting by mail-in ballot is voting in and on election day. This is the year we're going to take back the House, we're going to take back the Senate, we're going to take back America, and in 2024, most importantly, we are going to take back our magnificent White House, right? Take- you can see why it gets under their skin so much and why they're having to recruit uh, the Antiochus. This is back to that CNN article. It says people in Obama's extended circle have remarked that their former boss has been on fire this campaign season, lacking the burdens of presidential office, unlike his former vice president, Obama has shown the kind of freedom and relish for big political rallies that rocketed him to the Democratic nomination in 2008. But, you know, he still isn't getting the big crowds, not like President Trump, not like Donald Trump. So Trump's got the populist message, and Obama's out there with his supporters saying, we've got to, we've got to make sure that Roe v. Wade is entrenched into American law. We've got to make sure that we spend trillions on climate change. We've got to make sure that we do away with the Second Amendment, or at least parts of it. And then also, if you don't vote for us, if you don't vote for Democrats, then democracy will die. Listen, I gave you this quote yesterday. This is a lunatic on MSNBC. I guess he considers himself to be a historian going on and on about what happens if Democrats lose a majority, clip two. And a historian 50 years from now, if historians are allowed to write in this country, and if there are still free publishing houses and a free press, which which I'm not certain of, but if that is true, a historian will say, what was at stake tonight and this week was the fact whether we will be a democracy in the future, whether our children will be arrested and conceivably killed, we're on the edge of a brutal authoritarian system, and it could be a week away. A brutal authoritarian system next week? I mean, Joe Biden's still in the White House no matter what happens next week. Biden's still in there. He shouldn't be, but he is. You mean the Republicans getting a majority, kind of like the way politics has operated for going on three centuries? If, if they lose, this is their message. As I said yesterday, you wonder what they're preparing for or how quickly they'll deny the results of the election. The Epoch Times, it says, what issue concerns Americans most? It's not even close. Quinnipiac University polling, uh, this guy says, inflation, the price of putting food on the table, paying for gas at the pump, and the diminishing value of money that earn they earn runs away with the ranking. That's what people are most concerned about as Obama's telling the youth that, hey, we've got to vote so we can spend trillions on climate change and make sure we get Roe v. Wade reestablished as the law of the land. Epic Times says poll results from 538, Real, Real Clear and others, like the New York Times, have frequently favored Democrats in Senate and gubernatorial races, but 
Lonnie Leitner, vice president of the government affairs firm LS2 Group, said that many polls don't sample enough people. People who are looking at polls where the sample is made up of registered voters are wasting their time because those polls are designed to make Democrats look good. People need to focus on polls that have a larger sample, like a thousand voters, and they need to be likely voters versus registered voters, he says. Democrats peaked too soon after the, the Supreme Court ruling. Polls show, listen to this, polls show that abortion isn't even the top three issues for the majority of Americans when asked, he added. Everything is coming back to inflation, the economy, gas prices, and crime. And you can add to that border security. That, now, that's the Epoch Times. Look at what CNN says. CNN says, why, rather, further on, it says, but as we're, we're now less than a week from Election Day, the momentum is clearly on the Republican side. And the possibility of a Republican route has increased. Why? We're dealing with a, a deeply dissatisfied electorate, which almost always means the president's party is punished by voters. I mean, this is just what happens. It's happened over and again. It says, take a look at a Gallup poll released on Tuesday. Just 17% of Americans say they were satisfied with the direction of the country. Wow, 17%. That's the worst in any midterm since at least 1982 when Gallup first measured satisfaction in a midterm. So you can see why so many of these people, their heads are exploding, that historian on MSNBC. Obama, angrier than ever. Joe Biden, talking about leading, leading on with his final argument with the hammer attack. Uh, Sam just sent me an article today saying that if this were any other individual besides Paul Pelosi, this guy would have been let out on cashless bail the next day. It's no wonder the feds had to swoop in there so fast. Because if, if what is normally happening all over San Francisco, all over California, if, if that applied to this particular case, it would expose these radicals and these radical district attorneys who are just fighting for the criminals trying to let all the criminals out of jail, even. I forget who it was. I believe it was Fetterman who was uh, campaigning. It wasn't recently, but it was a, year, a few years ago when he was campaigning on just opening up the prison so that half of them could be let go. That's their solution to crime. And so to hear them talk about crime now, all of a sudden, suddenly, but, but, but not all crime, just the crime that happened at the Pacific Heights house early, early Friday morning, one week ago. This is uh, Hillary Clinton from yesterday, clip one. There's always been uh, a streak of violence, of uh, you know, racism, misogyny, anti-Semitism, as you said. Um, but I think what we're seeing today, and it has certainly been thrown into very high relief by the horrific attack on Paul Pelosi, we're seeing a whole political party and those who support it, those who enable it, those who run under its banner, uh, engaging in behavior that is so dangerous and I find frankly uh, disqualifying. They shouldn't even be allowed to run for office, these Republicans, because they're so evil, they're so violent. They're hunting down Democrats. This is from the Daily Mail today. 
um, says here, well, after it's unbelievably long, no, actually it's very believable, the long headlines at the Daily Mail, says here, the shooting, if I can find the start, the FBI has launched an investigation after a gunman shot into the North Carolina home of relatives of a Republican running for Congress with a bullet landing just a few feet away from where the candidate's children had been sleeping. This happened in North Carolina. It was on October 18th, and I'll bet you haven't heard a word about it. And we've got to go over, of course, we've got to go over to the UK. We've got to go to the Daily Mail to just learn anything about this lunatic that shot up a Republican's house, or I think it was the house of his grandparents where his kids were sleeping. It says the shooting happened on October 18th in Hickory at a home belonging to Republican Pat Harrigan's parents as he fights for an open seat in the famously liberal 14th Congressional District in a contentious race. He's probably not even going to win this Republican, but some crazy Democrat went after him, shot up the House. The congressional candidate's daughters, aged three and five, were asleep in the bedroom directly above the room where the shooting occurred with the bullet coming from a densely wooded area behind the house, piercing a window, but not waking the girls. It says further on, Harrigan's mother, Marla Harrigan, 74, told AP Thursday that she and her husband, James Harrigan, were sitting down in their living room when the bullet entered the residence, shattering their laundry room window in the process. So add that to a, a lengthening list of conservatives that have been shot at even, Steve Scalise and the other Republicans on that, uh, that softball field. Rand Paul had the neighbor jump his fence and tackle him to the ground and break his ribs. That's not even counting everything that happened in the summer of love. 2020, who can forget? The people that were murdered. Murdered by BLM and Antifa protesters. The ones that were burning cities down. Tucker Carlson did an excellent job last night of, of just deconstructing this, this uh, we've got to save democracy. And if uh, the election next week doesn't go the way we want it to go, we're going to lose democracy. Talk about cognitive dissonance. Listen to Tucker from last night, his show, clip three. Make no mistake, democracy is in the ballot for all of us. Democracy is on the ballot, says Joe Biden. No, Joe Biden, the names of candidates are on the ballot. Democracy is not on the ballot because democracy is not determined by the outcome of an election. Democracy is the election itself. Democracy is the process by which citizens choose how they will be governed according to their own desires. That's their choice. It's not yours. But Joe Biden is telling you the opposite, and you should know that. He's telling you that unless you arrive at a very specific outcome, the very outcome he commands you to arrive at, the system itself is illegitimate. We control the system. We have a moral right to control the system. Therefore, if we lose control of the system, the system itself can no longer exist. This is a dramatic misreading of what American democracy is. In American democracy, the people who control the system only have a right to control that system to the extent the public grants them that right through voting. What Biden is describing is the Soviet version of democracy. Soviet democracy, this is what they want. They want total control. It's amazing how many commentators are now on this, this communist takeover 
of the United States, and you heard it here first. You heard it from Herbert Armstrong first. He was talking about this in the 1940s and 50s. He was telling us where this was leading, this communist infiltration. That's the title of one of the chapters in this brochure. You can call our operators and request your free copy, no cost, no obligation, 1-866-930-3024. I think it's Thomas Jefferson who was credited for saying, when government fears the people, there is liberty. When the people fear the government, there is tyranny. See, that's the thing with these tyrants. They don't fear the people. Tucker, I think it's in one of the clips I have for you, but he uh, played the clip of Ron Klain, the chief of staff for the fake president, who said this was that speech he gave the other night was his final warning. Like, like he's warning the American people. And Tucker's like, warning? What are you talking about? You, you've got to try to win us over. You've got to win our votes. You work for us. But they've got it the other way, you see. They want to maintain, as my father wrote, in one of his best-known articles from 2018 about the radical left. We're getting a hard look at what they're willing to do to maintain their hold, their grip on power. Listen again to Tucker from last night, clip four. Nothing less than the future of democracy is at stake. Really? It's nonsensical to Americans, most of them, because isn't this democracy? dissatisfied with one thing we're choosing another isn't that our most basic right no not according to the people you just saw and keep in mind those weren't just talking points you heard the people mouthing those words believe them sincerely every one of them and they're emotional about it because if the democratic party goes so do they the party is the only power they have gotta keep our power <laughs> it's the only power they have their party Mr. Hilliker, Joel Hilliker, wrote this in February 2020 in The Trumpet. He said, the founders of America did a remarkable thing. They pondered all history's examples and sought to devise a government that would avoid the traps and troubles that have shipwrecked nations and empires. Most presciently, because of their education in the Bible, they recognized that the real enemy of good governance and national longevity is human nature they recognized human nature as being, like Jeremiah 17, 9 describes it, uh, deceitful and wicked. So they put in place all these checks and balances, and the communists hate that. They don't want to be held in check. They don't want a balanced government. They don't want the American people, in response to the, the past two dreadful years, to say, no, I want some new leadership. I don't want Republicans in control of the Senate anymore. And so they say democracy is under threat. What's coming under threat is the Democrat Party. And every poll shows this. Listen to, uh, again, clip five. Here's Ron Klain, Joe Biden's all-powerful chief of staff, issuing an explicit threat to anyone who might be thinking of voting the wrong way next Tuesday. The president decided a few days ago that it was important to uh, uh, issue one final warning on this issue to make very clear, to leave no doubt, uh, that we have people out there still peddling the big lie. People uh, uh, now raising the issue of election denial in this election. One final warning? One final warning? Really? Who do you think you're talking to, Ron Klain? Illiterate villagers? We're Americans. We are free people. 
You don't get to warn us of anything, much less for the last time. This is your final warning. Yeah, don't think so. You don't get to say that, Ron Klain. You don't get to say anything like that ever. Because this is a democracy, an American democracy, not a Soviet democracy. Great uh, segment all the way through last night from Tucker. This is from another Trumpet article, December 2000. So an older one. It says, of course, because human nature is inherently weak and corruptible, no human government is perfect. Yet it is on this count that Americans, America's government exhibits its greatest strength. Unlike so many other forms of government, our democracy accepts the corruptibility of human leaders rather than ignoring it. Safety valves are built into the system at every level. See, it's not a perfect system by any means, but you've, you've got to give some credit to the founders who, who built these safety valves into the system. We're, we're seeing the system break down. It's falling apart for sure. Only God's system is perfect, and thank God that that day is soon coming. But Tucker, as I say, he, just, he deconstructed their argument pretty well last night. One final clip from Carlson's show, clip six. If you really believe that you had a moral right to govern forever, and they really do believe that, you would see elections very differently. You wouldn't view the loss of a midterm cycle as the usual healthy rebalancing of American politics. Too far in one direction, swing back toward the other side. The kind of thing that has happened countless times in our, yes, democracy. That's what's supposed to happen. But you wouldn't see that. You'd see the loss of your own political power as the loss of everything, as the total destruction of the system itself, the beginning of the dark ages. I don't have time to get into it, but Mr. Armstrong had a, an article from 1944, The Plain Truth About Communism. 1944, as I say, he was right on top of this decades ago, almost a century ago. That's pretty incredible. Again, call our operators and subscribe to The Trumpet Magazine, one 930 You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is The Trumpet Daily. We'll be right back. is KPCG-FM, and this is the Trumpet Daily. The developed nations have made awesome progress. They have produced a highly mechanized world, providing every luxury, modern convenience, and means of pleasure. Yet they are cursed with crime violence, injustice, sickness and disease, broken homes and families. At the same time, more than one half the world is living in illiteracy, abject poverty, filth and squalor. Violence and destruction are rapidly multiplying. Many ask, why, if God exists, does he allow so much violence and human suffering? To understand the reason behind this astonishing paradox, request a complimentary copy of Mystery of the Ages. We were born into this 20th century world as it is. We take it for granted, but we can't explain it. It's like viewing a movie at a point already near the end. We see what is occurring at that point, but not having seen it from the beginning and not knowing how events developed to the point of viewing, we simply cannot understand what we are seeing. Mystery of the Ages transports you back to the beginning of the movie, to the foundation of this present evil world. 
To learn more, please visit thetrumpet.com. The Trumpet Daily. Former President Luis Inacio Lula da Silva is expected to take office as president beginning January 1st, 2023. The European Union and Mercosur, a South American trade bloc, including Brazil, were to sign a trade agreement in 2019. It would have been the largest trade zone in the world, but the deal fell through after a spat between Bolsonaro and French President Emmanuel Macron over deforestation. De Silva wants a trade bloc deal between the EU and Mercosur negotiated within six months of taking office. Brazil is the largest economy in Mercosur, which also includes Argentina, Paraguay and Uruguay. Since the election, there has been mass protests creating hundreds of roadblocks, as many people question the results. President Bolsonaro has accepted the results of the election, but many of his supporters are calling for military intervention to keep Bolsonaro in power. Record high inflation continues to build in Europe, especially Germany. The Eurozone inflation reached 10.7% this week on Monday, when the expectation was that it would remain below 10%. German inflation has reached 11.4% according to the Eurostat, and there are no signs of it easing up. Italy, Europe's most indebted nation, is also struggling through this significantly. Bank of Italy warned this week of a serious credit crunch if the European Central Bank, or ECB, tightens too hard on the downturn. Trumpet Daily. What we see in the early hours of the night may change dramatically over time. I feel like that is the PSA that we can't repeat enough. And, and let me just put a fine point on this. A little history lesson back in 2020 in the presidential election. I'm going to use Georgia as an example here and just remind folks what we all went through. So take a look at the timestamp. This is 2020 presidential race, Trump versus Biden. 7.16 p.m. November 3rd. The polls had just closed. Votes just started coming in the system. You see here a 30 five percentage point advantage uh, for Trump. Now follow along the timestamp. 807. Trump 33,000 votes ahead. 53 to 45. At midnight on November 4th, Donald Trump had 315,000 vote lead. He had a eight percentage point lead there over Joe Biden. 24 hours later, Donald Trump still in the lead, this time cut to 33,000 votes. 49.7 uh, to 40%. 24 hours after that, November 6th, Donald Trump still in the lead, but Biden catching up. And then if you fast forward to November 7th at midnight, that is when Joe Biden actually flipped ahead of Donald Trump in Georgia, and he held on to that lead. Why? Because the mail vote was taking a while to get counted, and that was where most of Biden's votes were. I like how he uses Georgia 2020 as, well, this is normal. It had never happened before like that. Now it's, it's normal. Well, it happens all the time, right? Georgia is a perfect example of why people don't trust the election officials in certain states, specifically the, the swing states. It took five days. And then finally, finally, when Joe Biden pulled ahead, then those people in the media, then they announced who is president. Oh, yes. The, the New York Times tweeted before the election that we decide we de we decide who's going to you know be the next president and then they they saw how bad that looked and they had to go and delete the tweet 
The media anointed Joe Biden as the fake president of the United States on November 7th, 2020. And here they come again. These are talking heads. You're, a lot of them can't keep their jobs. They're getting fired because nobody's watching. Chris Cuomo moved to another network. He's having a hard time getting an audience. Tiffany Cross just saw the news breaking before we went to the program today. She's canned from MSNBC, uh, an extremist, radical communist and, and racist to go with it. She's out the door. Those ones that have left Fox, Shep Smith, Chris Wallace. Well, you could go on a separate tangent with that. But, but here are the talking heads. They see themselves as so important. They decide. And so many in America are just tuning them out. They're liars. They're propagandists. And, and there they are, going through the same exercise as they did two years ago. Brazil, Brazil can, they can count 120 million ballots over the course of one day. But not the United States. No, no. We're like a third world country, at least in Georgia and Pennsylvania and Michigan and Wisconsin and Arizona. I mean, there it's just going to take a long time to count the ballots. And as it happens, those are swing states. It'd be nice if he'd maybe sit back and say why it doesn't take so long for other states where they're either all blue or they're all red. Just in those states. Listen again to CNN from last night, clip 10. Do any of these key states have a track record of taking longer to count votes? Yeah, the problem is almost all of them. So let's go back to 2022 now, and uh, I will show you in that Senate map again. So what is, where are the key battleground states? Well, for control of the Senate, Nevada, Arizona, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Georgia, all of those states, they will determine control, and all of them tend to take a while to count their votes. So pack your patience. Pack your patience. He didn't even really answer her question. She asked, do any of these key states have a track record of taking longer to count votes? Answer, no. They did it once. They got away with it because of COVID. They, they stole the election because of COVID. Scamdemic. 100 million mail-in mail in ballots. Mail, ballots just flying all over the country. And, and mules carrying fake ballots to drop-off boxes. Yeah, that was two years ago. It had never happened before. There is no track record, except with what we experienced in 2020. The fake president, we played this yesterday, but this was from his, this is his closing argument. Here he is, clip 11. And for the first time, this is the first time since the national election of 2020, once again, we're seeing record turnout all over the country. We know that more and more ballots are cast in early voting or by mail in America. And we know that many states don't start counting those ballots until after the polls close on November 8th. That means in some cases, we won't know the winner of the election for a few days until a few days after the election. Right, right. Remember the statement he made in October of 2020? We, we've put together the, the largest, most extensive, mo most inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of U.S. politics. They've got all the fraudulent machines or all the machines harvesting ballots in places like Philadelphia. It does make you wonder about uh, Dr. Oz. It does make you wonder about Herschel Walker. It would be hard to see them pulling it off across the nation.
in, in all of those little house seats as well. But we'll, we'll see what happens in these areas where there's so many crooked officials. Atlanta, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Milwaukee, Detroit. We got this uh, email from the Associated Press. We get some footage uh, from them for our, uh, our TV programs. And, and notice what they wrote to us. It says, the Associated Press has spent months preparing for every scenario for the U.S. midterm elections, including preparing a backup website for content delivery should a technical outage necessitate its availability. I mean, this is weird. They're, they're producing a backup website? And, and somehow this is connected to the midterm elections? Well, Associated Press plays a pretty significant role in calling races that a lot of the others in the media run with. So what's going on here? I don't know specifically, but what a, what a bizarre email to get from the AP. It says, we do not expect any service disruptions, but we are prepared for that circumstance. They're prepared for some kind of, uh, I guess, breakdown. I don't know, electricity or whatever it is. A technical outage? Well, again, this tweet from the New York Times, October of 2020, the role of declaring the winner of a presidential election in the U.S. falls to the news media. Oh, okay, the media, they're the ones that uh, decide. Is that right? Well, I think Tucker Carlson could probably put together another segment just uh, destroying that argument, but... It is what it is, because we're in a nation where there's just sickness and, and corruption from, from head to toe. This is uh, from uh, the New York Times, by the way, the article that it linked to in that tweet from a couple years ago. It says, each network makes its own state-by-state -state determinations, ABC, CBS, CNN, and NBC, as part of the group of news organizations belonging to the national election pool, uh, base their calls on data gathered by Edison Research. It says the Associated Press, which has assigned 4,000 reporters to collect information from county clerks in 50 states, conducts its own count. It says Fox News, starting in 2018, has relied on a model that draws from data provided by the AP. So the AP is uh, pretty significant when it comes to calling races. And here they send out this strange email. I'm not even sure what it means but you put it together with what CNN is so happily reporting. Yeah, it's going to take days. It's election week. It's election month. Just be ready for it. The, the red wave will come, but just, be, just like Axios predicted in October of 2020, we should have seen it coming. This time around, nothing will surprise us. But they are being exposed, and there certainly is a lot more exposure on the election process. We'll see how fairly it's carried out in just a few days. We'll conclude today's show with uh, a continuation of the study we had a couple of days ago. We were talking about the sword of the Spirit. We were talking about the importance of using the Bible as the instruction manual that it is. God meant for us to, to dig into his word and to live by it, to live by every word. We had one of our radio programs on this station. It goes by that very name. Live by every word. It's quoting Jesus Christ. And so we have to use the sword of the Spirit, the Holy, the Holy Bible, 
my father wrote in the Daniel booklet, he said, God's people have always understood that their sword is the word of God, the Holy Bible. I gave you this quote the other day. It says, but Satan has a sword too, a sword of lies and flatteries. 50% of the Laodiceans will fall by this sword forever. It says, if you look if you look at this spiritually, God's people have fallen by the sword. They've fallen for lies. They've fallen for flatteries. God's word is the sword of truth. God's word is truth. It says in Hebrews 4 and verse 12, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. See, the founders, like I was saying in the first segment, they, uh, they understood this truth certainly much better than any theologians do today. They didn't have God's spirit, let's say, working in their minds, but still, they knew a thing or two about human nature. And, that, and they looked at history, and they looked at how many empires and, and, and nations failed in the end because of corruption, because of evil. And so they set this system up where there's all these checks and balances, where the president can't get too much power, the Congress can't get too much power, the judicial system can't. Spiritually, though, we want to be, I mean, we want to be professionals when it comes to God's system of governance, because God is preparing us to rule with Jesus Christ. He's preparing us to marry his son and to raise children in the family of God. So we need to know God's laws. We need, to, we need to know God's truth. We need to work, work at this way of life, work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16, notice this. It says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. I mentioned the other day how that when you get to 1 Corinthians 10, there's the Apostle Paul telling these Gentile converts all about how valuable the Old Testament is and how that the lessons there are for us, for our learning, for today. He, he, he talked about how that the two Testaments are a perfect complement to one another. How come you don't hear more theologians talking about that today? So many of them talk about the Old Testament, certainly the Ten Commandments, the laws of God, as if they're outdated, as if they don't apply today. Verse 17, it says, that, following on what, what we just read, verse 17 continues, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Let me read these two verses to you again from the Moffat translation. This is verses 16 and 17. It says, All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for amendment, and for moral discipline to make the man of God proficient and equip him for good work of every kind. We need to be equipped with the Word of God so that we can perform mighty works for God, good works. This is why we're here. Read Ephesians 2. Verses uh, 7 through 10, somewhere in that area. Back up to verse 14. Here's what Paul says about Timothy, this assistant that he's writing to. It says, But continue you in the things which you have learned and have been assured of, knowing of whom you have learned them, 
See, know, know where you got this truth. Know, know something about of whom. Continue in this way. These are, these are precious truths that we want to hold fast to. Verse 15, it says, And that from a child you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Timothy knew the Scriptures from uh, his youth, right on up. And that from a child, you've known the Scriptures. I had someone just eat that. They had their epistles of Paul midterm this morning, and he just emailed me and said he appreciated the essay questions and just how he got worked up because he was really excited to answer the questions. And, of course, there's a time limit, so he had to do it as fast as is possible. But he concluded his email by saying how, how enjoyable it is to just learn the Bible and to cross-reference passages of the Bible and then to be able to answer questions when asked. Peter talked about always being ready, always being ready to give an answer. That's what we're here in training for, to be teachers, to teach the world the truth. I mean, if it's that valuable, go and read Hebrews 4 and verse 12 again. If it's that powerful... Why aren't more people just delving into the Word of God? Instead, the Bible is just collecting dust on the shelf. What a shame. It's such a valuable tool. It's the most valuable tool there is. The Word of God? Something given by inspiration from God? Notice chapter 2 of 2 Timothy. This is verse 15. It says, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. See, God is a workman. You can read more on this in John 5. God and Jesus Christ, they both work. They, they brought the, the material creation into existence. Of course, there's a spiritual creation going on. And it says here, you know, when you're studying the word of God, I mean, this is... The Word, this is Jesus Christ in print. And so when you study it, study as if your life depends on it, because it does. We need to be workmen, spiritually speaking. We need to put the, the time in, and we need to pray for God to give us the, the temperance and the discipline to actually put it into practice, to use this precious truth. I mean... It doesn't cover every single subject, but there's a principle embedded into God's law, which really and truly does cover every human action, whether it's flowing in the direction of love, or if it's not, if it's flowing in the direction of selfishness, vanity, get, as Mr. Armstrong used to say, then it's sin. Then it falls into the category of sin. And that's what, that's what God wants us to put out of our lives and hearts. Verse 15 again, study to show yourself approved unto God. Like a workman, a workman, notice Isaiah 28 and verse 9, it says, Whom shall he teach knowledge, and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breasts. You see, God can teach those who've, who've advanced in their age spiritually or in their health. They can, uh, they can take on strong meat spiritually speaking, because they, they've been weaned from the milk. They need more. They need more sustenance. 
Paul said in uh, Hebrews 5, he said he had to go back to the milk of the word with the brethren because they had become dull of hearing. They had forgotten the precious truth of God. So he had to go back to the beginning and then try to wake them up. It's so easy to get complacent. It's so easy to drift into a deep slumber when it comes to study, when it comes to prayer, when it comes to living God's way of life. Look at what's happened to 95% of God's people. There were so many people in the Worldwide Church of God with, uh, you know, the smarts, the skills, the background. They were a lot more qualified for some of the people that are contributing uh, or than some of the people contributing to the things we've produced, booklets and, and, and programs and everything else. God just raised up the lowly in the church even and said, all right, who's, who's interested in hanging on to the truth? Because that's what matters most. Hang on to the truth and, and do the work. Do God's work. Verse 10, it says, For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. It says, For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. So there's, there's certain gaps and pauses in the, the flow of this truth. It's not, it's not just a chronological study from Genesis 1 through to Revelation 22. It's like Mr. Armstrong said in Mystery of the Ages. It's like a, a jigsaw puzzle. And, and this book, by the way, this book puts it all together. It puts all the puzzle pieces together. If you don't have Mystery of the Ages, make sure you call our operators and request your free copy, the 800 number, 1-866-930-3024. A jigsaw puzzle. Mr. Armstrong says, if one begins reading the Bible continuously from beginning to end, one becomes bewildered. The Bible simply cannot be read like any other book. It is a mystery because it is a coded book. It is like a jigsaw puzzle with perhaps thousands of various pieces of different forms and shapes that can be fitted together in only one precise pattern. It says the truths of the Bible are revealed here a little, there a little, scattered from beginning to end and revealed only through the Holy Spirit within those surrendered and yielded to God, willing, willing to have confessed error and wrongdoing and yielding to believe Christ, the word of God. It says Jesus was the word in person. It says the Bible is the same word in print. So you can study into the word of God and get to know Jesus Christ and get to know the word who became Christ. Put that together with our continuous conversation with God the Father, the head of the family. That's everything. That's what matters most. That's what we put first, or at least strive to. Verse 13, it says, But the word of the Eternal was upon them, or, or unto them, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line here a little and there a little, that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken. This is talking about people who, you know, they just, they were no longer refreshed, uplifted, inspired by the word of God, by the study of God's word. My father says in the, in the Isaiah booklet, commenting on this passage, he says, God can only teach his doctrines and knowledge to those who are spiritually weaned from the mother. We've got to keep advancing. 
we've got to keep growing. We've got to keep maturing, spiritually speaking. Let me take you through one final passage. This is 2 Peter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10, starting in verse 10, it says, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. Make your calling and your election sure. It says, For if you do these things, you shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly, unto, into rather the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And then it says in verse 12, Wherefore I will not, this is Peter saying, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them, and be established in the present truth. Peter says, I'm taking my responsibility as a minister seriously. I'm not going to be negligent. I will tell you these things over and over again if I have to. You've got to be established in the, the present truth. You've got to also be established in the, the latest you know, the, the, or the previous. Both, the former, the latter. All of it. In the Ezra Nehemiah booklet, my father says, we should all set personal goals to be more like Ezra. We, we all must continually set our minds to grasp law, God's law, and government. It says this does require much study and a lot of hard work. We must know the law so well that we can teach statutes and judgments. See, we've got to know the laws of God. We've got to know how the government of God works. What, as I said earlier, what a refreshing change that will bring to this earth when the government of God is finally set up and established. He says, we should also study and understand the judgments made by Mr. Armstrong, God's end-time Elijah. Do we fully understand the Bible principles behind the judgments made by Herbert Armstrong? Well, it does require some, some depth. He goes on and says that the church is really a college of law. We're in training. We're going to school. And God is teaching us. He's teaching us out of his inspired word. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is The Trumpet Daily. Email the show if you like, td at thetrumpet.com. Thank you for joining us on today's show. Thanks for joining us all week, by the way, and we'll see you next time.